Welcome to What's NXT, a podcast about the best weekly wrestling television show, NXT. I'm Tristan Marsh. I'm Alec Basio. And this week, we're talking just about episode 432, TakeOver, Philadelphia. This was a gigantic episode, Alec. Yeah, it was a big episode. And not just because both the authors of Pain were in it. Ha 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 Because it was such a big episode, let's get this bullshit out of the way early. How about it, Alec? You know it. Stupid question, Alec. You watched the Royal Rumble? No, I didn't. I'm kidding around. I watched it with you. Loved it. I thought it was great. They usually can't pull off one Royal Rumble match, and this year they pulled off two amazing Royal Rumble matches. Yeah, no, they really did. I was really happy with the women's Royal Rumble. It was great to see a bunch of the older superstars, the uh, the previous superstars show up. I don't want to get anybody mad at me. You don't talk about a woman's age, Alec. You're right. I totally forgot about that. Trish Stratus at 30 was really fun. Mickey James Trish Stratus spot was great. There was so much really good stuff going on in that match. That was really fun. The men's Rumble match was awesome too because, hey man, we got Adam Cole and Almas in that shit. And you believe it? our boy Knack finally won. I know. Oh my God. They might actually do something with him this time. It's like a Can fucking complete it? reboot for him. It's like a shot in the arm that he so needed. In the future when they do like a retrospective on him or whatever, they won't even start until this. Like AJ Styles, he appeared out of nowhere at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly what they're going to do. Brandon Stroud over at Uproxx with spandex their wrestling section of the website Mm -hmm. had a really interesting theory not that they manufactured this moment but that nakamura winning wouldn't have worked if they hadn't fucked up the past five royal rumbles in some way because (laughs) it comes down to roman reigns and nakamura and If the WWE hadn't so overplayed its hand in the past that they love Roman Reigns, it wouldn't have been as tension-filled. Well, do you remember when it could have been Cena or Roman Reigns or Nakamura or Finn Balor? It was like, holy shit. They could fuck up like a million times. (laughs) (laughs) You know, surprise, surprise. It was almost like they didn't fuck up at all. But I always love Royal Rumbles, even when the end result is not that great, because I love seeing Mark Henry show up. And I just want to say shout out to my boy, Mark Henry, who definitely is never going to show up again because he is officially retired. You could tell that it's real because he didn't do it live on television and body slam somebody. <laughs> and it's really sad. There wasn't a random other superstar in the ring with him so that he could shake their hand and then <laughs> grab onto him. Turns out this time it was that easy. You mentioned that you were over at my house. I was over at your house. Let's both think back on that moment and go back in time to when you showed up. It is Royal Rumble night. That's right. Alec, you're over at my place. I am. We're going to watch the Rumble. Yes, we are. But before we do, I have big news. Big news, you say? Your Christmas gift showed up. Really? Yeah. 
Oh man, I don't know how I'm gonna watch the Royal Rumble match through my Bushi masks. Bushi mask? Bushi mask. Oh, Bushi mask. If it's actually a Bushi mask, that's gonna make me... Yeah, let's see it. Buddy? Yeah? Merry Christmas. Oh yeah! It's my Yep Movement shirt. <laughs> I actually forgot that you... Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're going to see new co-champions inaugurated tonight. Of course, yep. And you picked up a couple of weeks ago that I said gifts. That's right, I did. But you only have one t-shirt. That's right, I do. And that's because what use is one person in a movement? <laughs> I got one as well. That's right. I'm going to take off my Undisputed Era shirt. Sorry, guys. You just heard some bad sound. Oh, wow. I thought this would make your dog flip out more than anything, but nope. What? Taking your... Taking my shirt off. She hates nudity. Yeah. She's she's part of Right to Censor. <laughs> Do you like your shirt? Yep. Are you ready to watch the Royal Rumble? Yep. Are you ready to watch Roman Reigns win the Rumble yet again? Yep. <laughs> nah, we're both we're both pushing for Knack, right? Yeah, I want Nakamura to win. I've heard a lot of uh, guarantee you guys it's gonna be Dolph. One hundred percent, it's gonna be Dolph. Oh guys. God, I have actually heard that, Dolph. and I'm really kind of worried that it's gonna be that. He's like a weird hyper conservative. Yeah, know. but that's in real life. I'm talking about Dolph Ziggler, the wrestler. It would be pretty funny if he showed up on CNBC or whatever. Yeah. Start saying weird conservative crap, but before he does, they play the, I'm here to steal the show! I'm here to steal the show! Hi, I'm yeah. Dolph Ziggler, and I feel like homeless people should be deported from this country. <laughs> sure. You know what? I think I'd probably be really entertained by that, though. <laughs> Whoa, what's that harp? Wasn't that a great moment? It really was. It's a moment deserving of a WWE, whatever they do, moments compilation. An entire episode of 24. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Because it's 24 seconds long. Speaking of pay-per-views, did you see the two New Japan Pro Wrestling? What the fuck is it called? New uh, Beginnings? New Beginning in Osaka? No, even though I know the name. Let me ask you, did you see the end? I was going to watch it this morning, but I ran out. I started watching the pre-show for TakeOver because I didn't watch that, and I felt guilty. And I got up at 5.30 so I could watch it, and then I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> so I can't have a discussion with you about the thing that happened at the end of it. Well, I kind of know what happened at the end of it. Can you tell me, and maybe I will clarify some points for you? Yes, I can tell you exactly what happened. So, first, Bullet Club. They're gone now, forever. That's it. They all died. In a plane accident. Spoiler alert for the listeners, and spoiler alert for you, Alec. Yeah, except that it's not going to work, because they already heard me trying to fumble around and figure out what was going on. Oh, I'm going to cut out most of that. Oh, okay, great. It definitely seems to be the end of the current Bullet Club. We're going to see something new and interesting, and 
At the end, Kota Ibushi extends his hand to try to help Kenny up off the mat. Kenny pushes the hand away, climbs up the ropes, and then they hug. And as they hug, for some reason, a bunch of confetti canisters shoot off all over them. Oh, like it was all planned? It's maybe one of the sweetest moments in wrestling. Oh, boy. The Golden Lovers are back, baby. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with Bullet Club, then. I mean, you got to remember the core members that are still there, including Big Boy Fale with his fucking three bowls of ramen he ate one time. I mean, that guy is so cool. I don't want, any, I don't want him to get left out in the cold. I doubt he'll be getting left out in the cold. Good. That's all I care about. It's him and the... G-O-D's. You know how I was saying that the Bullet Club needs to bring back the double guns? And then oh, you yeah, said yeah. that they should probably also bring back Bullet Club is Real? Yeah, that would be fun. After one of the tag team matches uh, this weekend, Marty Skrull, in the background as everybody's hanging out, puts up the two guns, starts shooting up, and then yells, Bullet Club is still real. Wow. Let's go, Marty. Another flashback. <laughs> that's right alec you watched sailor moon this week but of course and it's so interesting that we're talking about our flashback episode because this episode of sailor moon was one big flashback that was it it was just a whole fucking flashback <laughs> they went all the way back to before the show to the moon civilization in the past so it's actually not like a flashback like, oh, here's shit you've already seen. So thank God for that. It wasn't a clip show. It was like just it. It seems like that would feel like a completely different show. It's pretty cool. It's the second to last episode in the U.S. So. Sailor Moon uh, is about a bunch of teenage girls learning to control superpowers that they've been imbued with and fight evil. And this episode is about a monarchist society on the moon where according to previous episodes they ice skate all the time skating sure was popular back in the old days on the moon yeah you're gonna have to check this out guys because it's exciting um before we really get into the show though i have a 205 live related joke for you that i knew i wasn't going to be able to say because that's not on the that's not on the docket today but here, check it out. What is the name of Drew Gulak's upcoming stable? Uh, the... 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 What? What? What is it? The Ballot Club. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, right? Isn't that good? Put in a little rim shot or something. Okay, with all that out of the way, how about we get to TakeOver Philadelphia? Let's please. TakeOver Philadelphia starts with the sonorous voice of Paul Heyman. Paul E. Dangerously. Tonight, we are in Philadelphia. Of course, Philly's favorite son. <laughs> he introduces us to Philly. Kind of takes us through the whole thing. Talks about how Philly loves to whip batteries at each other and draw blood. So it's the home of extreme. For decades, men and women have come. 
come here to settle their grievances, and they've done so in a fashion most extreme. Tonight, we take over. Then, he really starts repping hard NXT, culminating in him yelling, we are NXT. I'm happy to hear that. It seems like such a no-brainer for him. As the guy that did ECW, which was like a weird spiritual successor to NXT, you'd think he'd be all over it. And it's cool to have that kind of support. You know they wouldn't be giving this kind of support if they weren't ready to make NXT its own brand. And you do hear Moro say brand. And yes, guys, I woke up at 5.30 this morning to watch the pre-show that I didn't watch before so that I could hear some weird redhead guy say it was a brand, too. So people are calling it a brand. Jeez, even I didn't watch the pre-show. I know, I just couldn't do it. I, <laughs> I stopped like 45 minutes in. Samoa Joe was on it. He was great. That's cool. I always but, like know, him. There's a huge difference between him and me, you know? He's fat! I'm gonna... About the yeah. There are a lot of differences between him and you. I hope that he becomes a kind of secondary figure in the black and yellow brand. I'd like to see him with some guys that, you know, can also talk and sound scary. Or just enough, just Lars Sullivan, and then you just do double duty with the exact same, he use the same material. Or just have him every once in a while show up and, like, pass his cards out to people. Oh, that would be fun. Lars, you've got promise. Call me when you make the big time. Shayna, mm. you've got promise. Call me when you make the big time. Kyrie no, Sane, I, I don't really get this. <laughs> you seem like you have promise, but this isn't my thing. This isn't how I roll. Yeah. Good luck in the coming year. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Before the first match starts, we're also delivered devastating news. Oh, this was crushing. Bum, bum, bum. No, Nigel. What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, why am I even watching? Why am I watching now? What's the point? Especially considering how much he was putting over Johnny Gargano last week. I know, I really wanted to see what he was going to say about this match. I kind of did like that a couple of times in the Almas Gargano match, Moro is like, too bad Nigel's not here. He would have loved yeah. this. Oh, we wish him a speedy recovery. I don't know what happened to him. Send him a postcard. Take over Philadelphia. Wish you were here. Big picture of bloodied up Adam Cole on the front. <laughs> Alistair Black smashing the Declaration of Independence over Adam Cole's head. <laughs> That's pretty good. Our first match is a fun one. And it's also full of some twists and turns you may not have been expecting. It's Authors of Pain versus Current Tag Team Champion Undisputed Era. That's right, Fish and O'Reilly. The first guys to come out is Authors of Pain. They come out with their little, like, I don't know, their mask things going on, but I did notice that they had knit caps on as well, and I like that look for them. And I hope that that's what they keep in the future. I like it a lot better. <laughs> really? You like the fisherman beanie over just the shaved head? The hat is good. I liked more that they were wearing those weird skull masks. They're clearly supposed to look like kind of military ballistic masks, but sure. they're also very clearly like paper mache or something. But then yeah. around the bottom of the mask, they just had a, a jaunty black scarf. The scarf and the beanie 
Maybe it was cold in that arena. They've been evolving with their style because I still remember where they used to have those stupid weird fishnet things draped over their heads and their weird Predator Ninja Turtle masks. I like a simple cap. I think it looks good. <laughs> I see. Moro says of AOP, it's dinner time and they don't have to look at the menu. They're having the catch of the day. Fish and O'Reilly. <laughs> Congratulations, Mauro, for that one. Yeah, that was pretty good. Undisputed Era comes out. They're doing great. We've got the fucking goofy teeth fucking mouthpiece. We've got the air guitar on the belt. We get the whole deal. They, from jump, look deranged. Kyle O'Reilly is sauntering like he's already drunk off of Victory Champagne. Yeah, he gets real low and he sways like a crazy man. <laughs> kind of looks almost like a like a like an orangutan or something the way he walks. His arms go so close to the ground. Percy says that Kyle O'Reilly looks cocky. Oh, no shit. Really? Well, don't worry. Percy's got to put in double work now cuz there's no there's no Nigel, okay? That's he got to come a little more slack. He's been doing pretty good recently. He, he does really good in this episode as well. I just liked that the first thing he said was like the biggest <laughs> no-brainer in the world. <laughs> Moro describes them as having more chemistry than the periodic table. Yeah, I remember that. That was a fun little Moroism, I guess. There's a few of those in this one, guys. There are a few of them. I like that one especially because their tag team chemistry is what this entire match is about. Oh, yeah. It's second to none. They're fantastic in this. Uh, this is a really great, fun match between the two. While this does not look ever like it's going to turn into a big Authors of Pain squash match like it normally would, they still always look like they're about one second away from just coming in and just destroying Undisputed Era. Even when they're on the ropes... They look like all they need to do is turn around and land a clothesline or something, and all of a sudden they're back to being dominant again. I disagree completely, because mm. this match starts, and it feels like shoot MMA fighting. There's a lot yeah. of grappling and submission holds right off the bat. Yeah, there's a lot of kicks to the lower body. Both Aikam and Rezar look completely dumbfounded with how to hmm. deal with this. They have a couple of moments, obviously, where they get on top, but I felt like they never got to be the monsters that they usually are. No, I agree with you there, yeah. Undisputed Era have figured out the secret to unlocking Authors of Pain, and it is just cheating in submissions. If you cheat, and if you put them in a submission hold, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> It was nice to me because I felt like when that wasn't working, because it didn't work all the time. Yes, that's true. You can kick Razar all you want in the legs or ache them. They look like that, but then as soon as AOP turns around and says, no, no, no I'm going to pick you up now, or oh, I'm going to do something. We have all these great moments like Bobby Fish shouting. That's it. Bobby Fitch, back right into the abyss. <laughs> yes, that was really good. <laughs> not only does Fish yell crap, but O'Reilly, when he's not on top, he folds like a cheap suit. 
at one point they spend what seems like a minute straight kneeing both of them in the face on the outside. O'Reilly climbs up the apron and is trying to get back in the ring. And the second he lets go of the ropes to try to walk under the ropes, he just flops down onto the apron and rolls off. And they go, okay, let's kick him some more. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, O'Reilly's really good at selling. He looks really great when he just, like, collapses. For a moment, they are on top. But you can't truly have ever been on top if somebody is able to tabletop you like a schoolyard bully, which is what the Undisputed Era do to Razor at one point. That is close to what you were talking about, where it's like, this isn't wrestling. I don't understand this. It's like, why am I tripping? What? What? <laughs> I don't think that Akam and Razor ever anticipated another tag team to do the you're bigger, but I'm faster thing without eventually falling into one of their waiting hands. Fish and O'Reilly kind of never fall for that. And as the match goes on, Akam tweaks his knee and they immediately start attacking the knee. And now Akam is injured. And for the first time, we actually see Authors of Pain sell. And Akam does a good job of constantly like kind of double-stepping because he puts too much weight on the knee, grabbing the knee. Supporting the knee with his hand when he, like, leans on it. He can't hit without, like, going down a little bit. AOP's been starting to get over a lot more than they used to be when they were, like, the most dominant dudes around. One of the clear signs of this is Razar gets a hope spot, and everybody is fucking behind him to the moon. They fucking love it. The arena is going nuts for Razar. For the dude who's just like part of the guys that just super collide everyone to death. They, they love him now. It's, it's really cool how over they're getting just because, A, they're cutting promos. Hey, they're looking really brutal. And hey, the rest of the tag division is strong enough now that it looks like they belong there. They're going up against the two douchebags. That definitely helps. There is a traditionally likable component to almost every single other tag team. Undisputed Era are just douchebags. Yeah, there's very little that, yeah. We like them because they play that douchebag character well. Authors of Pain have a momentary comeback. It's looking bad. And then Undisputed Era get the quick roll-up finish. It's fun how this goes, too, because it plays into the injury factoring in. Because Akam can't do the super collider because his leg, he loses balance in his leg. He backs up to the ropes and that gives O'Reilly enough time to do a head scissors. Agility and technical precision can overcome their power. Usually that's the story that gets told. Uh, it's kind of the story that got told when Sanity won the belts off of them, right? But right. this is the most stark of that. Because when Sanity won, you still had Alexander Wolf doing some power moves. Undisputed yeah. Era never get power moves off. They just kick Akam in the knee three million times and he can't stand and they win. Yeah, that's basically it. It makes them look so dominant without making Authors of Pain look weak for it. No, because again, like you were saying, Authors of Pain gets so much offense in that it looks really good. The next match is actually a pretty exciting match but mostly for drama and theatrics. 
I wonder who you could be talking about. Well, drama and theatrics, it's pretty clear who I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about Cassius Drew Gula. Ono. <laughs> we both made the same joke, but... It was in different languages. <laughs> it's Velveteen Dream versus Cassius Ono. And this is a really fun match, honestly. I think that this was a lot of fun. Before we get to the match, because I think that this might be another one where we have some minor disagreements. Yeah, sure. Let's have a round of Fashion Police about the Velveteen Dream. These are their stories. Dun, dun. Oh, we have to. Velveteen Dream comes out. He has a cut-off hooded sweater with arm fringe. Yeah, oh, you gotta love those fringes. He's all about that shit. He's got bejeweled armbands and giant hoop earrings. They don't come out until right before the match. <laughs> Ray-bands. He's chewing gum. But the piece de resistance, the thing that really makes this rocky is... He has boxing shorts. Across the waist, it says dream over. It has fringe around the waist. And yet again, an airbrushed mural of on one leg, dream and Ono's faces. On the other, the photo of Muhammad Ali taunting Sonny Liston and across the ass float like a butterfly sting like the dream. Did you notice or was this just me that Velveteen Dreams photoshopped his own head on top of Muhammad Ali's face. <laughs> I think he did. I, I'm almost 100% positive <laughs> that he did. I am almost 100% positive that he did, and it made the entire thing. If you get a close-up of those shorts, how much do you want to bet he photoshopped Ono's face onto Sonny Liston? I couldn't see Sonny Liston on the shorts, but it, again, we didn't go close enough. This is great, and it plays up the boxing motif of the match. You know, Dalton Castle might have his boys... Velveteen Dream has two valets, a man and a woman. It's a shirtless guy with a fluffy pillow that's just covered in like this fur. An incredibly burly guy. Oh yeah, he's beautiful. Gigantic burly man, shaved head, big beard, gold necklaces. Yeah, that's right. He knows what's up. I'm sure he was wearing harem pants also. Yeah, we just don't get to see them. Because they're under that big pillow that he's holding. On the top of this furry pillow, we see a gorgeous mouthpiece, which is passed to the dream by his other valet, which is a lady who rubs on him a little bit, I think. She kind of caresses his face as she puts yeah. the mouth guard in. She's wearing yeah. a entirely velour bodysuit. Yeah, that was really classy. Yeah, classy. Very classy. Hey, come on. It's classy, it's all classy. right? It's classy. It's classy. It's classy. Yes. This was spectacular. It was pretty good. It's good to see him do something like this. What's even better is that there's no guarantee that this is going to keep happening. He just might do something completely different. He might not have an entourage next time. I hope that this keeps happening, though. I think it might be cool. I think it also might be cool if it grows, if he just keeps getting people. Every takeover, there's like another person or two just 
hanging out. And it's another tweak on a pop culture person through the lens of like 70s funk proto hypersexuality, you know? I can see that. Ono comes out in a boxing robe. He is wearing a jersey that says knockout artist, and I really like the design. Kind of want a t-shirt of that. This is fun to me because normally he's wearing his like basketball getup, but this time he comes out with a little silk boxing robe. He's like, I'm in on the gimmick. I like this. And I kind of like the idea of him almost, we don't get the backstage segment because they're having a rivalry, but I would love to have that little backstage segment of him and Dream, and Dream's like hanging out, and he just comes up, he's like, here, I'm in on it too, guy. I'm in. Look, I got the... (laughs) I got the I got the robe. Let's go. We're we're boxing, right? That kind of undercuts the fact that he was super pissed off at Velveteen Dream a week ago. Before the match even begins, we get a little bit of a flashback. You know, we get to learn a little bit more about the stakes of the match. Velveteen Dream once told Johnny Gargano that he would have beaten Cassius Ono in 30 seconds because he's just a guy. He's fat! Velveteen Dream gets his ring bell award for having the rivalry of the year he's telling Corey graves and renee young that he's going to knock out cassius ono in under 30 seconds because someone is a smart person behind the scenes and said if he wins in 30 seconds this is a shitty match if he doesn't win in 30 seconds he looks like a fucking idiot so what the fuck are we gonna do I know, let's change the whole fucking thing. (laughs) Nobody will notice. I really liked that he said 30 seconds or less because it made it seem like one of those 90s Domino Pizza claims. Avoid the Noid. Knock you out in 30 seconds or less or it's free. I remember at our takeover when they played little things on the Titan Tron, we never really heard any. I think they're in on the 30 seconds or less beating him thing. I don't know if they're in on the knockout thing. They seem to have a good reaction because as soon as the ring bell rings, they start fucking fast counting him. They're fast counting. Start my stopwatch. Start my stopwatch. Yeah, 30 seconds or less. And and I told you, he's channeling his inner smoke and go crazy. He thinks this is a boxing match. They are not fast counting. That's a fucking fast count, dude. One, two, three, four. That's fast. At 27. I thought it was 24. I wrote down when they get to 24. I wrote down 27. Well, I wrote down 24. Well, we'll see who's right. Yeah, well, you're just going to make me wrong no matter what. You're gonna wrong buzzer me. No, I'm always very fair and judicious with the wrong buzzer. Okay, good. <laughs> so, Dream totally knocks Ono. And it looks like he knocks him out. And then he showboats for a million years so he can get back up. And then we have a real match. And the commentary team is like, he's gotta cover him. He's gotta cover him. No, no, no. No, you don't understand, Moro. You don't understand, Percy. The reason he's not covering him is because we don't want people rioting in the streets. Didn't you hear what Paul Heyman said about batteries? We don't want Ono to look like a complete idiot. However, 
Not a lot of Ono support. I don't think it's that weird. I don't think it's because they don't like Ono. I think it's because how do you go against Dream? That and a couple of minor botches kind of left me a little wanting on this match. I'm not going to blame either one of them. Maybe it was just an off match for them because I completely trust both of these performers. I liked every other match so much that looking back on this one, I was like, eh, it was all right. No, I liked it more than that. I, I definitely thought that this one was a lot of fun. And not just because of Velveteen Dream. I did actually like Ono's part in it. I liked Ono's part in it too. It was definitely the weakest of the matches tonight. When you think of Dream, even though he's so muscular and he's so strong and powerful and he's a very good wrestler, timing is great. But the thing is, he's always better with attitude. He's a character man. Exactly. Anytime you can get him to do that, that's a much better use of him than anything else. So when he gets kicked in the face and his mouthpiece goes flying and he like has to play around to try and get his mouthpiece back in and then it just totally goes out. I, I loved that. I thought that was great. He also gets Ono down in a corner and puts his face right up in Ono's face and yells, You've had enough. Dream over. Dream over. Anytime he can yell at someone, it's really great. And in fact, I would argue that what you might have found missing in this was that if you're looking at Aleister Black versus Velveteen Dream, there was so much more character work for him to do than in this match. But I think that there was also character work for Aleister Black to do off of it. And Ono, I really like Ono, but um, he didn't really do anything that felt like Ono in this. Yeah, honestly, I was really surprised because he did so well in the match versus Gargano, adjusting to that match and making himself the heel in that match. When he had a clear villain that he could just like, he could get that fucking cyclone kickoff on Dream and then he could just, he could make like a fun face or something out of him. He could be like, hey, get with it. You know what I mean? And that would have made everybody happy. He never once yelled, it's been five minutes. He can't really because they went and changed the, do you think that had an impact that they changed the whole thing to like knockout? It, it felt a little messy. I don't know. And I didn't like that they called it knockout. I didn't like that he had that he got knocked out. Because he's, he's the, the knockout, knockout artist. artist. Yes. That really bothered me too. Honestly, I like Ono a lot. And I think that he's good wrestling. And I think he wrestles well in this. But I do agree that the way that things work out for him kind of makes you feel a little weird. Meanwhile, Dream is still actively trying to kill people's hopes and dreams which i'm all sure. for and of course. the first thing he does after he wins is he jumps up on one of the ring ropes and checks to make sure his hair is still in place oh perfect oh yeah <laughs> and his hair by the way i really like he's got less of a didn't put as much uh, relaxant or straightening iron in it or anything it looks really good for match number three we have Shayna baszler versus current women's champion Ember Moon for the women's championship. And let me just say, this was a really disgusting match, and I loved it. This was a great match. I might, I know this is going to sound sacrilegious, might be my match of the night. Really? I completely disagree. I, but I, I mean, look. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to 
agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. There is one match of the night that's very clearly match of the night, and you can't say that it's not match of the night. It's obviously match of the night. But if that match wasn't there, I think this might be match of the night. This is my number two as well. If this was a half hour, <laughs> right? No. Mm. Shayna's new ring gear looks awesome. Yes. Red, black, and gold. She still is doing the spade hand sign. I love it. She's so into it. On her way down the ramp, she's just mugging and making fun of people booing her and giving her thumbs down. And she's smiling the entire match. With that disgusting mouthpiece in her mouth. Ember still has the kind of weird swishy entrance. Oh my god, I wrote that too. I was like, why do we still have the swish? She needs to just come out and fucking pump her arms and look like a fucking baby face. I know, yeah, because everything else is going so great. It really is. I didn't even I didn't even dislike the weird foam armor shit all over her arm. I thought that was fine. That plays into her being a tough like warrior princess. That plays into her being like Xena. I have nothing against swishy flowy stuff. In wrestling? On a swishy, flowy person, not on a superhero. Or if the superhero is swishy and flowy. Right. But she's not. If Peyton Royce ever actually becomes Poison Ivy, I could see her doing that. Right. Or if Billy Kay actually becomes a Disney villain. Sure. What's that one? Maleficent? Maleficent? Miss Elephant? Yeah, whatever. Miss Elephant. (laughs) If she ever becomes Miss Elephant... That's good. I'm full of gold tonight. This is kind of the opposite of that first match, the tag team match. Because this is all about a slow, methodical, submission, ground-based battle. But Ember's power actually is the thing that takes her off her feet a couple of times. Whenever Shayna Baszler isn't actively applying an armbar or an elbow lock or a wrist lock, Ember Moon is just having her way with her. It's another story of experience versus inexperience all the way through the end. Even when Shayna is at her most dominant and at her most completely, it looks like she's going to take this whole thing. She is so cocky and overconfident that she lets slip ups and mistakes happen. She allows Ember to power through. And the one thing Ember has over her is this crazy, whatever it is, mind-based belief power or whatever, where she can just power through anything. It's like uh, mythological or like a crusader in the Middle East. Her faith and her belief is what is keeping her from just tapping out immediately to an injured elbow being put into an armbar. We've been dancing around this for a little bit. Let's talk about the Dakota Kai spot. In the promo package leading up to this, we saw Shayna stomp on Dakota Kai's elbow like 17 more times. They really had every camera in Georgia trained on Dakota Kai's elbow for that moment. They wrote a big fat check to NASA so they could fucking direct their space telescopes down onto this thing. They want to make sure that they're seeing everything. Their space telescopes. That's right. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Ember sees her fingers in that position, her elbow in that position. And in the replay, you can see her look from her fingers to her elbow and then up 
to Shayna Baszler and she goes, oh no, please no. Boom, it is destroyed. It's perfect. It obviously doesn't look as crazy as the Dakota Kai one because Dakota Kai is probably quadruple jointed in her shoulders and elbows, but it looks pretty bad nonetheless. It still looks like how it would look if it really happened. It looks pretty bad. Shayna Baszler has Ember Moon in an elbow lock. And to show off how technically gifted she is, with one hand, she transitions from elbow lock to arm bar to wrist lock. And while she's doing that, with her other hand, she's dusting off her shoulders. She's smiling the entire time. She is such a fucking prick. In the mixed match challenge... Her and, and Pete Dunn, right? Like, Oh, right? God, they would be perfect. They both have elbow stomping <laughs> things. They both, like, twist people's wrists and everything. They'd go right into it. Oh, man. Yeah. This might it be the first time that I've actually wanted a weirdly injected love angle. <laughs> like, if they fell in love. Oh, man, could you imagine? And it would be him going after her because he's the stoic, quiet one. She, like, just wins a match, and then he's got flowers, and he just hands them to her and walks away. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. This is like they're playing yo-yo with the crowd. During the arm submission stuff, there is a point shortly after that where Baszler gets Ember into an arm bar, and then, boom, lands on her back. The arm bar is locked in. It looks like a real-ass arm bar. Everybody pops. They think it's over immediately. We're, like, ten minutes into the match, not even. Early on... They think that all it takes is going to be an armbar and she's going to tap. After a number of really disgusting holds and Ember finding it within herself to power out of it, she finally decides, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for the eclipse. She hits the eclipse and it backfires massively. All kinds of success, including the NXT women's title. She hit the eclipse. But it has to, because they need to protect it. Because there's only one woman in the Earth that can withstand the eclipse. Asuka can withstand it. Shayna Baszler lies prone on the mat for what seems like 10 minutes, while Ember Moon screams like she's being stuck with a hot poker. Ember Moon hits the eclipse on Baszler, but can she capitalize? Look at the amount of pain this season. I think she exacerbated the left arm injury with the eclipse and... Baszler is lying in a supine position. If she could just make her way over there and get the cover, Baszler isn't moving. She was getting examined and everything. But when you think about it, you can't have the eclipse not work, right? It's got to work. The eclipse definitely works. It's just that Ember has a fucking shattered forearm after that elbow stomp. She does a move that requires both of her arms. And it really fucking hurts. Well, she lands on it. She lands on the injured arm, too. She she does a really good job of making this move look like it is not going well. Some people I have seen didn't like how long Ember was in the arm bar because it kind of didn't sell Shayna Baszler as the thing that she's supposed to be good at, which is getting people into a fucking arm bar. I can kind of see that. I just thought that her struggling in that armbar was so captivating, I didn't mind it at all. Ember was able to power out enough, and also, like, they had to transition it a few times. It wasn't like a straight armbar 
the entire time. They rolled around and then she got put back into it. It was never really a complete armbar, except for that very first one where everybody thought, holy shit, it's over. Another surprise roll-up win. And that kind of annoyed me because we just saw that. I think this is not bad because it's like, how do you get your injured champion to show that she's a better wrestler? Ember's got brains. She's got hearts. She's also got a lot of experience and Baszler's lacking in that. And she's got brawn. The only thing that Shayna has over her is the ability to physically destroy another human being. <laughs> yeah, Shayna just has no problem morally or ethically just breaking someone's arm for no reason. Ember does win with the surprise roll-up in the arm bar. She proves something that she yelled earlier in the match, which is that this is her division. And then as she's walking up the ramp, you can see in the background, Shayna Baszler is still in the ring and she's all sulky. She looks super defeated. Because she's a bully that has been proven wrong. And they fucking hate that she, oh shit. Oh my God. She looks like she's just like confused and upset and alone. She's not, she's looking around her, but she doesn't see anybody in the crowd. It's really, oh, it's good. Her, her acting is great. Shayna finally loses her shit. She ambushes Ember and chokes her out. And as she stands over the choked out champion, the crowd chants, you just lost. You just lost. She's trying to bully her way to I the top. I don't care what it is, Percy. She should be fined. I'm hoping WWE NXT General Manager William Regal will come down hard, will drop the hammer on Shayna Baszler because this is not the actions becoming of a, of a contender, let alone a champion. Unacceptable. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, it's pretty good. I really liked this match. I liked how slow and ground and disgusting it was. A number of other matches kind of telegraphed what the future of this division is going to be, you know? Um, especially the Aleister Black-Adam Cole match, which we'll talk about in a second. But you kind of know who's going to be fighting who in the near future. I like that this match, all it was there for was to say, Ember Moon is the champion, Shayna Baszler is out to kill somebody. It doesn't really set up anything new, but it opens up so many possibilities just by reiterating what we already know. In a way, it's almost kind of classic way to look at it. So I, I don't see a problem with this match at all. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a really good match. I was super on top of it. I really enjoyed it a lot. What do you think this means for Ember going forward? Because we saw at the Rumble her arm was all injured. Are they going to play this up for her and then give her like time off screen so that the rest of the division can settle things out? You have a number of new people entering the fray. People like Shayna Baszler and Lacey Evans who are in their infancy of character. Usually, you want a champion to be present because you want the reason that everybody's fighting to be obvious. This is one of those few moments where you might be able to pull the champion back a little bit and let some kind of nebulous stuff sort itself out, and then all of a sudden, Ember Moon is healed up. I definitely am seeing something like this happen. That's basically what just happened with Almas. And I don't think it hurt Almas that much. You give her one or two squash matches where she defeats a nobody really easily, even with an injured arm. 
After watching the Royal Rumble, the Women's Rumble on uh, Sunday, uh, the ending of that Rumble saw Shayna Baszler's buddy Ronda Rousey show up just out of nowhere, point at the sign about 16 times, and then walk away. Burn Asuka's moment. How sick is it that NXT is developing Shayna Baszler the way that they're developing her in light of looking at this? And this is nothing against Ronda Rousey because, honestly, she with if she had what Shayna Baszler has and has had, I'm sure she's, she'd be fantastic at this point, too. But it's such a different approach, and I just think it's really telling. I could say some disparaging things about Ronda Rousey, but none of them are related to wrestling, so... <laughs> she seems like she might be a disgusting person. The next match is an extreme rules match in the most extreme city of them all. Philly, Delphia. Philadelphia. They whip batteries at each other. It's it's Adam Cole versus uh, Alistair Black in a battery whipping contest. They just throw batteries at each other. And um, Adam Cole is the one who got the C batteries, so he's winning. One of them dresses up as Santa Claus, and the other one throws full bottles of beer at him. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. It's, uh, it's a great match. It's very weird. There's very little wrestling that goes on, so I'm really confused by it. And that, that's pretty much it. It's the spot fest to end all spot fests. It super is, right? <laughs> okay, now you can see why, right? You Think about what you just said, and then think about what I was like. I don't know about that black cold match. <laughs> but how can you not like this? This was so fun. I did like it. I thought it was great. And also, I there are certain things. I don't want to skip all the way to the end. But I'm super happy that Aleister Black got mad as hell in this match. It had a very similar trajectory to the Aleister Black Velveteen Dream match. Where the reason that one of them looks good isn't because he won. It's because he made Alistair Black have an emotion. <laughs> Adam Cole has a new entrance video and it's the old Atari game Battle Zone. Yeah, that was interesting. I like that. I'll go with that. I don't get why their whole thing is like weirdly like techno punk, but I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm down with it. I think it's great. Why not? I'm glad that they're all techno punks, but they don't come out with like, you know, power gloves, motherboards taped to their forehead. Oof. You know? Yeah. They're just like, no, nah, we just like Neil the aesthetic shit going on. Adam Cole is king of the taunts. Before the bell rings, he yells in Alistair Black's face, you're finished. Before it even started, you're finished. I'm going to argue that Adam Cole is maybe a little bit misused in this match because he has the personality of a Velveteen Dream. <laughs> but we see less focus on the personality and a little more focus on the wrestling just because he, like, can do really cool shining wizards and shit. I mean, like, he's a character. Let's just cut to the, to the quick here. We've already mentioned it. After a long, brutal match, Aleister Black wins. This means that... Adam Cole has lost every single one of his one-on-one -on -one matches, and he is the leader of a group called Undisputed Era. Perfect. I know, it's really unfortunate, No, 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 it's it? really good. I'm just saying, if we're talking about his character work, <laughs> I kind of wish that from the start, 
Undisputed Era was less of a partnership and had more of a Fish and O'Reilly are in awe of how amazing they think Adam Cole is. Because I feel like you have this storyline, but you also put Adam Cole way, way up on a pedestal, and it's going to be that much more fun to watch him completely tumble off of it. I also kind of like the idea that even with him losing every match, they're still all over him. Like, this is not when they realize. This is not when they realize. They're like, wow, Adam, you really got him. You got him so good. Oh, no, good. yeah, I'm I hoping that it's another, happened. like, six to eight months of just them fawning. If not a couple of years. How great would it be if for three years Adam Cole never won a match, but every single match, the next promo they cut, Fish and O'Reilly were like, you're amazing, Adam Cole. <laughs> Let's look at this match. Adam Cole is amazing, okay? In the first minute, Alistair Black does his springboard rebound lotus position spot. And Cole is the first person to ever respond correctly to this. He doesn't stand in amazement. He goes and grabs a folding chair from ringside. And it's like, you're just going to fucking sit there? Then I'm going to hit you with a chair. The chair is fun, and what did you think about Alistair Black and his little Naito spot? When uh, Adam Cole tries to hit him with the chair and he dodges out of the way, and he's like, whoa, and he gets the chair, he still refuses to use a weapon. This is, this is his whole story, as he says, and we hear this a bunch of times, and Percy even says it. Alistair Black didn't need that chair. He didn't need a weapon. He is the weapon. He goes to hit him with a, to hit Cole with a chair, but then no, no, he opens it up as soon as Cole runs away and just sits in it, and I'm like, hmm. Where have I seen that recently? <laughs> I really liked that. Obviously, I liked that yeah. because I love Naito. But I also really liked when Adam Cole gets out a kendo stick and Alistair Black gets out a kendo stick in response. Yeah. And then a couple of seconds later is about to hit Adam Cole with it and then goes, oh, wait, no, I said that I wasn't going to use these. He tosses it away. Adam Cole's face lights up. He's delighted. It was beautiful. He says, you're so dumb, stupid, stupid. And then just chases him with the kendo stick. He then swings with the kendo stick and Alistair Black dodges the stick and knees him in the stomach. Yeah, no, it's great. It doesn't work, but everybody's thinking the way Adam Cole's thinking. I mean, you can't not think to yourself, what the fuck did you do that for, idiot? <laughs> Why'd you throw that? A idiot? moment later... Alistair Black goes for one of his signature spots. He goes for the springboard moonsault, and Cole whips him in the stomach with this kendo stick. Yeah, even towards the end of the match, Alistair Black has a mark on his stomach from this hit. <laughs> it's pretty fierce. It sounds like death. <laughs> this is when Adam Cole grabs Black by the hair and yells in his ear that he runs NXT. Do you hear me? He kept saying, do you know who I am? And I can't, I was thinking to myself, oh, he's going to do the Adam Cole baby. But he can't because he's holding a kendo stick and he's like choking Alistair Black out. So then I was like, when is he going to do it? And he does it way later. He does once right after this fucking sick backstabber. Holy shit, that looked good as hell. Assisted with the kendo stick, Adam Cole delivers the coolest backstabber. It's awesome. Uh, obviously, there's a get the tables chant, which is responded to by him saying oh yeah oh yeah and then when they start saying 
we want you to use the table, he says to the crowd, don't worry, you're going to get it. It gives me an indie feel again, because it's like, use a table, use a table, right? Or whatever. And like, in WWE, in main roster, you're never going to hear Triple H go, okay, I'll give you a table. You'll never hear that. But you will hear it at an indie show, and you do hear it at this. And I'm glad it's Adam Cole who's giving the people what they want. Main roster WWE isn't known for a lot of direct crowd interaction like that. There is crowd interaction, but it's like feedback interaction. It isn't a lot of people saying like, you want me to do my finisher on him? I will then. I wasn't going to before. Um The most important thing to talk about is the demolition of Adam Cole's body. Adam Cole is the man. He got legit injured in this one, and it was not pretty looking, and it also looked like it really got in the way of a lot of things. People didn't like it when medical attention was sought, and it did cause some slowdown in the match that made me go like, huh? Like when Aleister Black was trying to get the ladder, I thought that was probably Aleister Black looking in the ring, realizing that Adam Cole had a handful of blood and was like, I'm gonna vamp with this ladder for a second. I know this is like four spots from now, but I think we can skip one and just I'll just try and fuck with it and then we'll, we'll get it done. Adam Cole's thumb explodes and they try to work through it a couple of times and eventually they have to get medics in to tape it up. Yeah, but he looks like a badass covering himself with blood. He does smear himself a couple times, I think for the effect and also for obviously getting blood off of his hand. Let's talk about that chair spot because that was borderline Kevin Owens. He sets up two chairs the way you'd normally mm -hmm. do. With the seats facing each other, you're going to smash the guy into the seat. And then he has a thought that nobody's ever had before in the WWE. Wait a minute. He puts them back to back so that it's a metal point, and then he lightly caresses the top of it for a second. The crowd is hating this. They are really upset that he's going to do this to their beloved martial arts boy. He goes to get Aleister Black, but Aleister Black reverses him, and then a withering slam. Basically, his spine is broken. It's really gross. He lands on the chair the way that he wanted to do it to Aleister Black, and everybody's chanting, you deserved it. <laughs> at this, Adam Cole's back goes dead center between the uprights and the back of the chair. Absolutely oh no give on those chairs. But in all fairness, he did actually successfully put Aleister Black through those tapes. He does the whole alley-oop. He throws the chair at Aleister Black, and when Aleister Black catches it, he just super kicks it into his face. And <laughs> Aleister Black flies off of the turnbuckle into these two tables. It is a good thing. It's a great thing for Adam Cole to do. Every spot has been done except going through the announce table. So what else is there but for Undisputed Era to interfere because we knew of it course. had to happen. And Moro tells us it's all legal. They drag Alistair Black to the announce table. I really liked that. They put the work in yeah. to make it so that Alistair Black isn't putting up a fight. They're basically taking a dead body over to be buried in this announce table. Yeah. But then at the last second, Sanity shows up to save the day. 
unexpected. We get but welcome something that I have never seen before, which is a Killian Dane Tope Suicida. I thought it was great to look at. I thought it was a stupid idea for Killian Dane because what's going to happen when you Tope Suicida and take out everyone else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Cole's going to stand up and look over at Alistair Black and say, oh, he's knocked out. Oh, I can go beat him up now. <laughs> Except that Alistair Black comes to and then puts Adam Cole through the table. Pushes him back into the ring. Adam Cole gets a super kickoff. Looks really good. He takes a little bit too long for the pin because in his words, he doesn't want to pin him. He says, I'm going to destroy you. To which Alistair Black responds with a black mask. One, two, three. He wins. Yeah. He black masses him in the ribs like halfway through a chair shot. So like it looks pretty good. There's only one way that an Alistair Black match ever ends. Yeah. It's a black mask. Somebody goes, I'm about to win. And then he hits him with the black mask and he wins. Yeah. Do you think in eight years, we're going to be talking about the black mask the way we talk about the F5 or the AA? Oh, of course. Black mask, black mask and win. I'm already talking about it like that. Of course. So, yeah. I'm assuming nothing's going to change. Fish and O'Reilly carry him to the back. They're chuffing him up the whole time. You can hear him like, they're like, this this is fucked up. Look at it. Look, if those guys didn't get involved, oh, this, this is bullshit. <laughs> if those guys didn't cheat by preventing us from cheating, this would have been in the bag, baby. And then finally, we get to the main event. Maybe one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen. Yeah. Johnny Wrestling Gargano versus the men's champion. El Idolo! Andrade Cien Almas for the men's championship. Hell yes. Hell yes. I loved the luchador mariachis. I thought that was a great touch. They play a nice little song. His entrance music kicks in and he comes out in an all white with Mexican red and green accented ring gear and white version of the La Sombra mask. No, it's good. It's good to pay some tribute there. Moro mentions that he used to be La Sombra. He's worn La Sombra's mask before when they went to Japan. NXT went to Japan yeah. and they mentioned yeah. that he used to be a character here that wore that mask, but they never mentioned the name. They didn't mention Los Ingobernables. There's a Los Ingobernables sign in the crowd. I saw that amidst the sea of Johnny Gargano winky faces, and I was like, oh, Tristan must be so happy. I was <laughs> ecstatic. The WWE Universe has officially realized that other wrestling promotions exist. Hey, thanks, Jericho. It's pretty much you. I mean, it's pretty much him, right? Like, it's him. Really happy to see Zelina Vega, who's going to be at ringside the entire time. Pounding on the apron and screaming. Fucking phenomenal. She's great. We're skipping over Johnny Gargano, even though we shouldn't, because he has a Magneto top this time. It's basically the same leather vest, but Magneto themed. But you know what? You know what? You know what? People like Almas. Yes. Yes. The fist was up. Thumbs ups were in the we're air. We're getting to the point where he's no longer just getting the fists. People are now cheering and clapping because he put on that amazing match at last takeover. Now the fun thing is to point out the pockets of people who are still resisting how amazing he is because there are a couple of like 
little kids and old men in the crowd. Double thumbs down, big angry face. No, no. I feel like if it wasn't Johnny, there would be more Almas chance. Because let's face it, like I said before, when Johnny walks into a room, there's this pheromone that just secretes out of him. That just everybody in the room just falls in love He's with He's like him. the purple man. I don't know. It almost works on me because I'll tell you, when he does that scout thing, I've said this in the past, but I fucking love it. I think it's great. He does the scout and then he touches the tip of his nose with his tongue. Yeah. And yeah. that shouldn't be as endearing as it is. It's super endearing. There's just something about this guy that he's just the, the greatest. I do love him. I think that he's great. It almost works through the TV. But when you're in a room, you think he's going to win, even though he literally has zero chance of winning this match. <laughs> there is no way that he's winning this match. It was almost as if they wrote down on the card so that they could bring it up. It's like, Johnny Gargano loses to Andrade Cien Amas. And then they're like, oops, let's cross that loses out yeah, yeah. and write the word versus. But everybody knew it's impossible that he wins this match. It's still the best match of the night. And it's still one of the best matches. The way he loses, though, is unexpected. The start of this match is awesome. It's just all mat scrambling and Lucha Libre style rolls and counters. Zelina Vega and Almas have shit on Gargano, but Almas clearly knows that there's a chance here because within the first two minutes, he goes for the hammerlock DDT. Oh, yeah. He wants to take him out quick. Gargano responds by going for the Gargano escape, and it becomes a battle of who can escape whose finisher the most. Who can, like, prevent the finisher from going this on. This entire match has such amazing chemistry because the entire time, it's all callbacks to previous matches, callbacks to things that happened earlier in the match. It is two people who seemingly have spent the last week just watching videotapes of their rival. I know you do that fucking head scissors. Johnny Gargano yeah. goes for the head scissors and it works. Next time, I'm plowing you into the mat. I did want to point out that there's one move that doesn't get countered the first time. That really should have. Doesn't make Almas look very good. Is it the slingshot the spear? fucking slingshot spear works? <laughs> what the hell? This is impossible. I, this is the most shocking thing in the match. Honestly, Zelina Vega could have come out with Tommaso Ciampa. He could have shot Johnny Gargano in the head in front of all those people. And I would have been less surprised <laughs> at the fact that that fucking... That slingshot, did you see that it actually worked, though, Yes, Tristan? it actually worked. Because I had to rewind it. It actually worked. It worked. However, the next time it happens, it's right into that DDT, baby. But you know what also worked the first time? Cien brings back something that he started with Johnny Gargano, which is doing the Tranquilo, and then as Gargano gets close to kick him in the stomach, transitioning it into the over-the-rope armbar. However, yeah. the next time he does the Tranquilo, Johnny Gargano slides under him. There's so much yeah. great chemistry between these two guys. There's a lot. They're both such clear characters and such clear skills that they can really say, this is the stuff that would work against me. This is the stuff that wouldn't work against me. Speaking of great character... 
I really liked Almas. He did everything right in this match. Johnny Gargano looking like a dazed, beaten, you know, loser. He can do that, and it's perfect. Almas getting a glassy eye look is impressive because I've never seen that. And he, towards the end, looked as glassy as Gargano ever did. By the end of it, they're literally having a slap fight on their knees. They're so exhausted. Every single time Gargano gets a pin or gets Andrade in the Gargano escape, Percy starts yelling, that's it, Gargano's won. One, two, three, done, come on, let's go. You might not know this, but Percy is a firm believer that if he shouts it loud enough, the ref will hear it and think that that's what's going on. Percy has a doctor's appointment at like 10.45 the night of TakeOver. And it's like, if we call this right now, I can still make my appointment. A half hour? I thought you said, what? I thought you said 18 minutes. Shit. <laughs> Vega comes for Gargano again. And Candice LeRae, who's in the audience, has had enough. Yeah. She tackles her. But even early on in the match... Almas spends the first third of this match, which this is the longest one-on-one -on -one match in NXT history. It went over 30 minutes. Yeah, this, is, this was incredibly long and a great match. And it never feels that long, but for the first 10 minutes, Almas stays in his cocky character. There's a lot of dodging and then wagging his finger. Yeah, there's a lot, there's of, a lot of tranquilo. There's a lot of countering a move and then shaking his head and saying he says at one point he shakes his head and he says to johnny gargano almost like <laughs> what a fucking dick oh i love him yeah it's very good he's not even the best character though in this show because Zelina vega is there did you get a huge kick out of when Johnny was struggling not to tap? Did you get a did you get a huge kick out of her yelling, "Tap, Johnny, tap! You're a loser." <laughs> <laughs> there is at least twice where I saw her literally in the background like a cartoon character pulling at her hair. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's great. She doesn't even really get involved until the last third of this match, which is really cool. She tugs on Gargano's shoe. That's not really a big deal. But for some reason, he gets distracted. But then by he's it. able to still realize what's going on and counters yeah. Cien attacking him, which I really liked. He's cognizant of that shit. Yeah. She's distracting him and he looks down at her and then very quickly looks back up at Cien Almas and like jumps out of the way. She does the head scissors spot where. Almas rolls into the ring and, and the ref has to like stare at Almas for a while because it's really important. I wish that he did that slow roll that Trent Seven does into the ring. I think there's still a chance that the ref would see because his head wouldn't turn <laughs> Right, <enough. laughs> of course. I'm really excited to see a Zelina Vega storyline for herself. I think she's such a fun, captivating character. I don't think that we need to split them up but Almas now has solidified himself enough with the fans, I think, that he can be on his own every once in a while. Keep them together, but I would say 
Sometimes he watches her matches. Sometimes she watches his matches. Sometimes he watches hers. We get thank you, Candace Chance. I can't really stress this enough. We're talking about Amos. He's getting over it. Yes, he is. Everyone in this building and on this earth wants to marry Johnny Gargano. They love this Which guy. Which is ridiculous because Andrade Cien Almas is right there. <laughs> Andrade's a lot prettier, but I will say one thing. I will say one thing. I was eating chips by the handful watching this match, and I'm staring at Johnny Gargano, and I'm like, motherfucker is cut as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? And then I look down at my own chips. This is, this is horrible. <sighs> Dude, we've been through this, okay? I'm cultivating masks. I've never felt worse watching wrestling in my life. <laughs> the thing that I liked about the end of this match is it just proves over and over again, he didn't really need Vega. He gets in the Gargano escape, which Vega helped him escape earlier in the match, and he gets to the rope. He gets pinned after a really wicked move and kicks out. All of a sudden, he's on top. This entire match has been also a ton of apron spots, like a lot. Johnny Gargano lives on the apron, and Almas is not afraid of the apron. And so what ends up happening at towards the end of the match, this apron spot is happening again, where there's a ton of fighting on the apron. But now they are complete desperation mode, both of them. They're completely exhausted. They're swinging at each other. They're smashing each other. And it's Almas who gets out ahead by shoving Gargano into the ring post. I gotta say, win and lose for Johnny Gargano. This is gonna go down as one of the, his greatest it's matches. It's all about winning, Percy. Oh, and again, the back of the neck. There's no losing in Gargano's vocabulary tonight, although I, I, I'm, I'm concerned, man. I mean, again, he could lose consciousness at any time after a series of sustained attacks of the neck. Oh my God! Oh my God! You get that horrible fucking ring post noise. Whatever they cover that thing in to make it so loud. It's whatever's in Bianca Belair's hair. He gets the double knees right into the fucking... Oh my God, it's really nasty. It's very... And Johnny nasty. looks like he is out. This is the night of the disgusting spot. Pretty much every single match has a moment where you go, Oh no! Oh, oh. Johnny looks like he's out. He's like bleeding too from the mouth. I don't know. His lips have been red most of this match. Yeah, he probably bit himself. It's not looking great for him. It looks like he's completely unconscious. Moro yells. Oh, no! Oh, no! The referee's got to check out Johnny Gargano. You know what? Maybe it's, a, it's time that... I don't know. Do we, do we save Johnny Gargano from himself? You That's know, not the kind of man he is. You know he's not going to capitulate, but when no it's enough, in. enough. And it's a valid question to ask because Johnny Gargano has been doing the thousand yard stare for the better part of half of this match. He has been in weird desperate mode that for some reason people aren't afraid of. They just fucking cheer him on through it. Very bad enabling behavior. <laughs> Almas is able to get the hammerlock DDT draping from the top rope after this, but it's sketchy as to whether or not this is even going to happen. The The medics are called in, and it looks like they're going to try and call a stoppage, and everybody's like, mm. it's like the third threat of a stoppage in this night. Isn't that weird? They're really playing with us, man. Do you think that maybe they only wrote one script, and then they were like, fuck, we got to split this into 
four matches. What? Or maybe they wrote two because there's also the reoccurring surprise roll-up ending. They kind of had three different aspects. Well, let's just mix and match two per match. Yeah, I was a little nervous because there were so many near falls in this match. I didn't count them because I'm not interested in doing math. Math and science isn't meant for me. It kind of seems a little hard, algebra. But my estimate is 28. I would believe up to uh, 32. I definitely, I'm sure it's much less than that, but it's a ton. There's so many near falls that at this point, after the draping DDT, I was expecting like, uh oh, schoolboy or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Especially after Moro just said, Johnny Gargano literally doesn't know what the word quit is and may continue until he dies. And then he loses. Yay! <laughs> Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it. That's, that's all there is to it. A winner. Just like that. Clean loss, middle of the ring, no Champa. I was blown away. I was almost a little disappointed because if Zelina Vega went into the back and came out with Champa and said, look, and pointed at Champa, that would be one way to do this. And that would have made me go, oh, that's good, because then he can get over that. If Champa directly interfered in the match and caused a DQ, and that would be the way that Amos retains the title, I'd be dissatisfied with that. But since both of those things didn't happen and the match is over, you know Ciampa's going to ambush him. But first... Right. Obviously, there's a, there's a victory celebration to have. And a lot of credit to Amos. He sells like a motherfucker. This was the hardest match of his life, and you'll believe that. Because he does not get up and roll around and celebrate. Zelina Vega comes in and celebrates with him, kind of, but he's like still out of it almost the entire time. And it's only until he gets out of the ring and can start walking away that he's actually even trying to lift the belt like, yay! And even then, wounded. It's a serious match. Candice gets in the ring, comforts her broken husband. Yeah. They're leaving. They're walking up the ramp. It's really sad. Yeah, and everybody's saying thank you, Johnny, and we love you, Johnny, and Johnny Wrestling. It's almost like he's going and getting called up, but you know he's not. For a moment, it felt like he was getting called up. When you, whenever you hear thank you chants, right? Like, it just makes you think of that. And for a moment, Johnny Gargano looks really sad. He's kind of living in his loss. But then Candice LeRae grabs him by the shoulder and turns him around, and he looks out on this crowd of people thanking him and cheering for him and he realizes i might not have won but i did a good job tonight i got close and that doesn't mean that i'm a loser yeah and then do you see how all those people out Trump in the crowd are chanting yeah he's the best friend yeah do you see how all those people in the crowd are chanting and shouting his name and smiling and then screaming in terror and pointing from him, pointing at him? <laughs> Shouldn't have turned around, motherfucker. Gotta have eyes in the <laughs> yeah. back of your head when Champa's around. That's exactly right. Champa comes out and smashes him with his fucking crutch. Still in the knee brace. He comes out, hits him so hard that he leaves an indent in the back of Gargano's back. Blood is welling up out of the indent. And Candace rolls him so that we could see it. 
And then she rolls him over and you can hear him. You can hear her at the end say to him, oh, your back is bleeding. Your back is bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great, that's such a great significant other thing. Obviously that isn't a character moment, but I kind of wish that it was. If they weren't married, I would go, wow, that's really good acting. Because that is something that you would say, like, you just saw your significant other get obliterated and you're like, oh, you're bleeding. I'm, I'm worried about you. And the person's like, fuck you. That guy just hit me. <laughs> but I did like, she was selling it. She was like, fuck, fuck, don't look at me. Quick, roll this way so that they can see it. <laughs> As she's taking care of Johnny Gargano, Champa stomps off backstage again. Perfect ending to this. You give Johnny the moment he needs to not feel like a complete loser. That doesn't make you a loser, Sailor Moon says. <laughs> and of course that's the moment you must crush. Yeah. He's finally realized that winning and losing isn't everything. It's being able to compete at a certain level. And he can compete at that level. He just put on a 35-minute match, and it's one of the best wrestling matches you'll ever see. And fuck you. Time to die, motherfucker. Whap. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, it's great. The crutch bends. I really liked this pay-per-view. Me too. I would say overall it was a stunning success. I liked it better than War Games. It definitely had a more narratively clear ending. <laughs> the War Games match itself was amazing to behold. But if you think of it at all critically after the fact, you can only describe it as a clusterfuck. Yeah, exactly. Definitely watch this clusterfuck, but it's a clusterfuck. Oh, yeah. There was no match tonight where I was like, what's happening? What's going on? Even the most clusterfucky of them, the Extreme Rules match, every single thing was telegraphed the appropriate way where you went, oh, now they're going to set up a table. Oh, he's going to go into that ladder. Oh, his thumb has exploded into a million tiny bits and needs to be taped back oh together. Oh my god, right? <sighs> and to think he wrestled in the Rumble the next night, too. I know. Jeez. What a guy. Almost wrestled the next night. Amber oh, Moon yeah. wrestled. No Kyrie Sane tonight. She was the freshest of the NXT crew. Just another heads up. We are taking the next two weeks off. You'll be hearing from us next time in three weeks this has been what's nxt you can listen to us on apple podcast stitcher and now google play Ooh, fancy very fancy you can also contact us our email address is what's nxt pod at gmail.com you can also contact me i'm at enemy of both on twitter alec you got anything to plug yeah, I've got my Sailor Moon podcast. We mentioned at the beginning of every show, it's called Under the Tokyo Tower, also available on Apple Podcasts, also available on Stitcher, also available on a multitude of podcast apps everywhere. But not Google Play, even though I'm using Google's FeedBurner service. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. It's probably because FeedBurner is antiquated. Probably. And our website's midnightzero.nyc, where you can also see episodes of this podcast and interact with us there. It's going to be a while. But in three weeks, please check back in to find out 
What's Next. What's NXT? Wow! Excellent! Rock and roll! I don't know, hold those SOBs. <laughs>